Good morning, and thank you for the opportunity to be with you. I was so appreciative of the call from your pastor inviting me to come and to share with you today. Uh, I appreciate all that Dr. David Smith stuff. Uh, I think only my mother is excited about all of that. But uh, I definitely need to, uh, to thank my dear friend Samuel for his help in all of that. I had uh, worked through my classwork and kind of got stuck at the writing part. And if you know Samuel, along with his many talents, writing is one of those. And so he became a, a writer and an editor and a helper. And uh, so very gracious. Hey, Dave, don't you think we ought to say something about this here? And so uh, I appreciated that. And so as he was completing his doctor's degree, I told him, I said, I want to come alongside and be a friend. And my encouragement to him, so you can blame me, is that uh, every now and then you need to take a week or so off so that you can focus on writing. And uh, he is doing that, or has done it this week, but uh, as you know, ministry goes on, and so he, he has, uh, he's been doing some of that as well. And uh, in fact, when I talked to him, I said, why are you going to be there? You need to be home, writing, praying, doing those kinds of things. But uh, he's a dear friend, and he is here to support, and I appreciate that very much. I also appreciate the opportunity to uh, bring you greetings on behalf of the other churches of the Austin Baptist Association. For those of you who don't know, the uh, churches, the Baptist churches in the Austin and surrounding area voluntarily cooperate to accomplish something bigger than any one church can accomplish on its own. One of the best pictures of this was uh, about six months ago, one of the uh, pastors of one of our larger churches. He's been in, uh, in the area for in excess of 10 years, and I'll try not to get too much detail so you can figure out who it is. But he's began to think about the ministry that God has given him, and his church has grown tremendously during the time that he's been here. But we had coffee, and he told me this. He said, you know, David, if I were to, to quit serving the Lord in this church at this time, Austin would be worse off than when I started. Now think about that for a second. The population of Austin, Texas has grown so rapidly that the churches of our Baptist Association have not been able to keep up with the growth. And so I'm so very thankful that among our strategic priorities, our association has decided to plant churches, secondly, strengthen existing churches, and then partner with the larger body of Christ to see Austin presented the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if everyone in Austin, Texas, now and in the future, had an opportunity to hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross because of their sin, and that by accepting that gift, that sacrifice, they could experience eternity in heaven with Jesus. About four years ago, we engaged in, a, um, in kind of a research project to find out about Austin. And we hired our friends at Lifeway Christian Resources and uh, formerly the Baptist Sunday School Board, but uh, they also felt like they needed to expand their vision and by changing their name to Lifeway, had an opportunity to reach to other churches and other denominations. Well, of course, they came back telling us all kinds of things. The number, the number, the top 10 interests of people that live in Austin, Texas and how we might engage them. But they also did phone interviews. And of the 1.7 people in Austin, Texas, it is speculated that 600,000 of them correctly answered the question, 
How can you experience God's saving grace? 600,000 people, great news, correctly answered the fact that Jesus Christ was the only way to, to know God and to have an eternal relationship with Him. The downside or the negative of that is there are 1.1 million people in Austin, Texas who did not correctly or did not accurately answer that question. So as Samuel invited me to cast a vision for you, here's what I'm asking you to do. And I'm asking everyone that will give me an opportunity to tell them. Imagine this. And again, I realize that there will be overlap, but just go with me on this. Imagine if every one of those 600,000 people would commit to have spiritual conversations with two lost people. People that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I began to dream great dreams about what God could do and how God could work and the ways in which God could transform the city. I enjoy going to the University of Texas football games. I like the big jumbotron. And I'm intrigued by the motto, by the mantra of the University of Texas. It says this, what starts here changes the world. And folks, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is so impacting that if we in Austin, we believers, would be serious about having spiritual conversations, God could do great and mighty things. See, you think one of the things that happens is when we think about evangelism or when we think about, about sharing our faith, we have the misconception that what we have to do is we have to go up to someone, we have to begin the conversation, and then we have to lead them all the way through to the point where they pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart. And yes, there are people that God has gifted to be able to, as my friend calls it, seal the deal, A to Z, right there. But most of the time, the process of coming to know Christ is essentially that. It's a process. It's a number of conversations. It's relationships. It's conversations to which someone comes to the point of saying, this is what I want in my life. And all I'm asking you to do is to begin the conversation. Who knows? You might meet up with someone who is asking questions and you simply can ask, answer questions. If God leads you to, to pray with them or leads you to begin to engage Bible with them, do that. But if we began to very seriously engage the people of Austin, Texas, I can't imagine what might happen. So, Pastor, thanks for the opportunity to, to cast a pretty broad vision. And the exciting thing in Austin is the body of Christ crossed denominational lines. The evangelical church is working together to, uh, to really share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know you're ready for me to close because that's my first sermon. Now we're going to get into what I wanted to talk to you about today. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, and uh, you can turn there, but we're really going to end up in Proverbs chapter 3. You know, uh, in Proverbs chapter, or excuse me, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, we have the parable of the good shepherd. And it's a great story, and I am so appreciative of the way in which Jesus communicates truth to his disciples. And he gives them a story. He tells them a story that they, are, they will be very familiar with. It's a shepherd, and he's got sheep. And he talks about the fact that the shepherd is going to keep an eye on all of those sheep, and if one leaves or two leaves or whatever, he's going to go and he's going to take, 
you know, he's going to take care of them. He talks about the fact that there's this thief that's going to come and try to, to mess up this, this, shepherd's, this shepherd's flock. And in verse number 10 of John chapter 10, Jesus says, But I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. As your pastor so eloquently does from Sunday to Sunday, presents to you the gospel, he is telling you about this life that you can have in Jesus Christ. But it's just not a life. It doesn't just end with, man, now I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and now I kind of wait around for heaven or something else to happen. But truly, it is an abundant life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. But God has intended for us to live in abundance. Jesus could have easily said, I've come to, to give you life, and that's it. But He says, I come to give you abundant life. And this morning, I want to ask you a simple question. Are you desirous of living the abundant life? I can't imagine anybody who would say, no, you know, really, I'd like kind of a mundane life. I, you know, nothing too exciting. I just kind of like to flow through life and, you know, not really get any joy or satisfaction or peace from that. No! That wouldn't be normal. That wouldn't be human. And this morning, as we look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, my Bible has this section of Scripture delineated by the words, the rewards of wisdom. And what I've entitled my sermon this morning is Resolutions with a Promise. Resolutions with a Promise. I realize that we are almost through the month of February, and I know that I'm getting old because time is rapidly flying by. Where does it go? But about December 26th, Julie waits until Christmas is over, we have this little conversation, and it goes something like this. We need to set some resolutions. We need to set some physical and some spiritual and some relational, all these kind of goals that we're going to set. And after being married for 24 years, I have learned to say, yes, dear, I think that's a great idea. And sometimes I wonder to myself why I kind of lose motivation, you know, about January 5th. I mean, I kind of think to myself, man, I'm going to do all these things. I always put lose a little weight, and I'm so happy because I lost a little, but I think I've already gained it back what I lost. But what's amazing is, I think for me, one of the things that keeps me from accomplishing those resolutions is, what's in it for me? Sure, I can get out some of my more skinny clothes, and I can wear those, but at the end of the day, I mean, what is the benefit? What do I get for accomplishing these kinds of tasks? So where am I going with that? Well, one of the resolutions that I make on an annual basis is that I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. Now, that doesn't get you any special brownie points, but I just believe for me that if God gave me His Word, then I want to be a student and a learner of that. And if any of you all are interested in taking that on for this next year, then I would invite you to send me an email. I'll send you a Bible reading plan, which I believe is pretty outstanding because it does a couple of things. First of all, it gives you 25 readings over the course of the month. Now, you can do the math. That means there's a couple days that you might miss. But it also gives you a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, little Psalms, little problems. Proverbs gives you a little variety, and by the end of the year, you will have accomplished reading through the Bible. 
Not so much just so that you can go around and say, Pastor, I need my read the Bible through in a year pen. But you can say, you know what, I have taken in the full revelation of God's Word, and you can receive that. Well, it's always fun for me as I'm reading through God's Word when I get to one of those verses that I, that I love and I've memorized and is one of God's promises. And one of those promises right in the middle of this passage that we're going to look at this morning, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Let me see if I can say it from memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. If you've not ever heard that verse, you ought to mark that down, you ought to write that down. Good word, good counsel, good instruction. But one of the things I'm trying to do this year, especially when I get to those verses that have always been kind of lifetime favorites, is I'm kind of looking, I'm kind of doing what I call the before and after. What's before and what's after it. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the first 10 verses of chapter 3 in the book of Proverbs. By the way, along with my reading the Bible through in a year, one of the things that my father taught me to do and encouraged me to do is to read a proverb a day. If Solomon's the wisest guy, and God used Solomon to, to write, to, to speak through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, the words of the book of Proverbs, I bet you I'm going to do well in reading those. And so there's 31 chapters, I can read one a day. So on the third of the month, I always read Proverbs chapter 3, or I attempt to do that. But as I read verses 1 to 10, I came to, an interesting, I, I came to an interesting realization. In the odd number verses, 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9, there is an encouragement from God to us. But in the even number verses is a promise that He gives back to us. Now think about that. A resolution with a promise. Now I can get excited about that. As a follower of Christ, He desires for me to be and to live life, but not just to live it, but live it abundantly. And what, what God does in His Word is He encourages us to do some things, to be engaged in some things, and then He gives us a promise on the back side of it. So let's start at verse number 1. I'm not going to read the passage in its entirety. I'm just going to take it as it goes, and we're going to look at it from there. Verse number 1, chapter 3, the book of Proverbs. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Okay, here's how it goes. Resolution number 1. Encouragement number 1. The Father says, don't forget my teaching. Let your heart continually keep my commands. And what do you get? What is the benefit of that? Length of days, years of life, and peace. It's interesting to me. The world in which we live is looking for peace. And what they mean by peace is a cessation, a stoppage of all my problems. I want to live a problem-free life. That's what the world wants. And here's what I tell them. I said, listen, Christian or not, you are not going to have a problem-free life. And anybody that preaches that is contrary to Scripture. But as a believer in Christ, we can have peace. And by peace, here's what I mean. A realization that God is going to work all things together for His glory and for my good. And there can be a peace in the midst of that. And it's amazing to me as I encounter believers who have experienced horrendous things 
yet there's a sense of peace. When you hide God's Word in your life, when you read and retain God's Word, folks, it helps you to realize that God has been faithful from the beginning, He is faithful now, and He will be faithful forever. One of my dear friends, Pastor Rick Randall, who pastors Austin Cornerstone, just on the east side of of I-35. Very interesting because as a as a Caucasian man, pastors a church that's predominantly Hispanic and African American. But he does that because that's God's call. About six years ago, his son was killed in a tragic train accident in Chicago. And on the anniversary of that, as he and his wife deal with that and, and mourn through that, they can, even in the midst of that difficulty, have peace and know, knowing that their son had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The world has no mechanism by which to deal with situations of that kind of magnitude. And that's why Christ said, not only am I going to give you life, not only am I going to give you salvation, but I'm going to make this life abundant. And there are things that as believers we tap into that the average person doesn't have an opportunity to. And see, that's why I think it's so very important that we have spiritual conversations with other people. Because, folks, what we share with them is life, and it's life abundantly. By the way, I cannot handle it anymore. I've got to show you something. Every day this year, I mean, this is the theme of my year, Pastor. I'm going to live the abundant life. And so when I get out of bed every day... I put my abundant life memory cue on. Here's today's. Got it right there? This is it. Everyday crazy colored socks. No place in Scripture does it say you should wear crazy colored socks. But when I put those socks on, knowing that I'm going to be an occasion where I'm probably going to cross my legs, somebody's going to ask me this question. Dude, who does your shopping? Not my wife, I promise. And she didn't come because I was wearing my crazy socks, I promise. But it's an opportunity for, to, for the, me to tell people that, you know what, this year I intend to live life to its fullest, to experience God's abundance. And I begin to share with them the benefits of knowing Christ. Benefit number one is this, that you will have prolonged years and peace. Look at verse number two, or number three. Again, the encouragement, number three, verse three. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them about your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So how I've described or summarized verse number three is this, to love God and to love your neighbor. You say, how do you get that out of your passage? It says, well, it says, don't let kindness and truth leave you. Love be compassionate. Love God and love your neighbor. And then what happens? Listen to what happens in verse number four. Then you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Now that's interesting. If I follow God's instructions, if I love God and if I love my fellow man, not only will I find a good reputation in the sight of God, but also in man. You know, it's amazing. Showing love and compassion is a great character trait, Christian or not. But one of the amazing things as a Christian that we do as we show love to God and to our neighbor, it endears us, it gives us a good reputation. 
And I believe this is a part of that abundant life. Let's look at verse number 5. So we're going to read and retain His Word. We're going to have prolonged life and peace. We're going to love God and love our neighbors, and we're going to have favor with God and with man. And then, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, I know you're figuring out the rhythm of this, but the resolve is that we're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We're going to trust the Lord in all things. We're going to trust that the Lord has a perfect plan above and beyond our own. And what do we get in return? He will direct our path. He will make, one translation says, He will make our path straight. And I began to look through Scripture where it talked about trusting God. Psalm chapter 9 and verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Wow, what an incredible promise. Listen to it again. Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know you, know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm chapter 28, and verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and my song, and with my song I praise Him. Psalm chapter 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 4, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself is the rock eternal. Nahum, even in the little books, Nahum chapter 1 verse 7, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. Folks, I want to tell you this morning that as you put your faith and your trust in Christ, it puts you on a path that He directs and not you yourself. And the amazing thing about the path of our life, we have no idea where it twists and turns, but God promises that He will always work everything together for His glory and for our good. Now think back with me. Look at the resolutions that we're going to make. We're going to read and retain His Word. It doesn't seem overly difficult, but as a result of that, there is prolonged life and peace promised. I'm going to love God and love my neighbor, and I will have a good reputation in the sight of God, a man. I'm going to trust completely in Him, and He's going to make my path straight. See, being a follower of Christ provides some abundance that you can't find anywhere else. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So rather than seeking my own counsel, my own wisdom, that I'm to seek God's counsel and God's wisdom. That sure lines up with what I know from Matthew chapter 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now can I tell you, that sometimes as I'm reading God's Word, there's a verse of Scripture that I've read over and over and over, and it's not until maybe something happens that the thing just takes life and just jumps off of the page. So let me read for you verse number 8, and then let me tell you how this verse jumped off the page to me. So don't be wise in your own eyes. 
don't be, uh, don't trust in your own counsel, your own wisdom, trust in God's counsel. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Two Thanksgivings ago, as we always do, we gathered at my sister's house for Thanksgiving. She has a huge house and she's a phenomenal cook. In fact, my kids say, what happens when all the grandkids get married? And I go, we'll just have to come to Aunt Michelle's. That's the way it is. But one of the things that happens as a course of our time is that we, as a family, share praises and uh, prayer requests because it's really the only time that we're all together. And as we were going into that Thanksgiving, it was especially heavy because about a month before, we had found out that my mother had lung cancer. She was having some respiratory problems, and thankfully my sister, who lives right near to her, said, you know, you ought to go get that checked out. She goes to the doctor. The doctor says, have you ever smoked? No, I've never smoked in my life. He said, I'd like to do an x-ray on this. Looked at this, thankfully, because of the great physician's there in that area, he said, let's do a biopsy, did a biopsy, we need to do surgery, this is cancer, remove that, and immediately she started chemotherapy and radiation. So there we are at Thanksgiving, and we're going around, and we're sharing our hearts, but there was just such a heaviness. I mean, my mom's got cancer, that's not right, God. And I know many of you have faced situations where you almost feel as though I ought, to, I ought to be exempt from this. But it was so amazing as my mother shared with us that there was a peace in the midst of this. She said, it's so interesting. Every doctor that I go to says, well, the worst thing that could happen to you is you could die. And finally she told one of the doctors, that's not the worst thing that can happen. She said, being separated and being away from my family, but dying for me as a believer is heaven, eternity with Jesus. And as my little sister often does when it got to her, she had got these, these gummy bracelets, a white one. If you know anything about cancer, they actually have a colored bracelet for every form of cancer that's out there. Prostate cancer, lung cancer, lymphatic cancer, breast cancer, you know the color is pink. Very good. And so we all wore those, and on the band it said, no one fights alone. And I am here to tell you that last Thanksgiving, just in November, she had gotten a clean bill of health from the, from the Lord. Now, I, I don't want in any way to communicate that if, if you believe in Jesus and you, you know, have cancer, that you are necessarily, you know, God's going to heal you here on earth, God will heal you. He might heal you by taking you to heaven and that healing take place there. But during the time that my mother was going through chemotherapy and radiation, and those of you who have dealt with that with your family, is what they do, the best description that I have is this, is they're putting enough poison, as, as much poison as they can in you to kill the cancer, but they don't want to give you so much that it takes your life. But when you're putting this poison into your body, it literally eats down to the core of your bones. And what you need is you need replenished bone marrow, and now they have these shots that you can take that really generate all this bone marrow. And for all of my medical professional people, I know I've butchered the description of that, but that's how my brain understands that. So we were constantly dealing with 
what are the levels of my mother's bone marrow? How strong is her bones? And with that in the back of your mind, now read verse number 8. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Thank you, God. That's a good word. Now, this life that we live, again, I want to be very careful. It is the abundant life that God has promised to us. But in the midst of that, we still live in a sinful, fallen world. Bad things happen. But in the end, we have victory in Jesus. So seek His wisdom and His counsel And it will bring health to your body and nourishment to our bones. But you know what happens so many times? When we have issues of life, we seek our own counsel, and we only go to God when it's a big thing. Okay, some of you look confused. I'm going to go ahead and sell myself out and be vulnerable. I actually kind of live my life that I handle all the little stuff I call on God for the big stuff that I can't handle. And it almost is like this. Seriously. Lord, please listen very carefully because I'm about to give you some information that you don't know. You laugh. We do that. We try to handle the things, and then when we can't handle it, we turn over to God. And what does the Father say? Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And he is not waiting around just for me to bring him the big stuff that I can't handle. He wants all of it. And by the way, we are not giving him new information at any point in time. Seek him, his wisdom, and his counsel. Finally, verse number 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. Honor God with your possessions so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Folks, my heart breaks when I I have pastors come to me and talk to me and say, you know what, I just, our our people aren't giving, they don't want to give, they don't want to participate financially. And folks, I want to tell you, everything and anything that you have comes from God anyway. So you're not giving God anything that He didn't already give to you. And in fact, when people tell me, you know what, I don't really believe in tithing, then I say, well, do you believe in offerings? And then they get this really blank stare on their face, and I say, let me explain to you how I think this thing works. I think we owe God 10% of what we, uh, what we have. And maybe more. But I believe that God also is pleased with an offering above and beyond that. And I don't believe the church should ever lack for funds because I believe that God says very very eloquently that you give to Him. In fact, Malachi chapter 3 says you cannot outgive God. Probably the greatest illustration of this to me was when I had the opportunity of pastoring in Dripping Springs. I had a gentleman in our community, and it was obvious to me when I met him and know, know of his title. He came to me. I was the new pastor there at the church, and he said, I'm a businessman in the community. And he said, you know, I'm really, uh, I don't have a great interest in being a regular attender of your church, but I want to give my tithe to the church. 
This is a true story. And as a young pastor, I was going, wow, is this a dream? Somebody pinch me here. This guy's not going to come to my church, but he's going to tithe. He said, you know, my father's a very successful businessman in a very affluent area of Houston, Texas. And he said, my dad always taught me that it was good business to give money to the church. Now think about that. Here's a guy that's not going to be a regular attender of a church, not going to show up for any of the meetings, not going to care about how we spend any of the money. He just thinks it's good business to give money to the church. And he has continued that practice. When he does deals, it is not uncommon to get a phone call from the closing going, where should we write the check? I'm not making this up. From a secular perspective, he sees the value in giving to God. And what I believe as Christians, we rob ourselves, we miss a blessing by not honoring God with our wealth, with the first fruits of our produce. I was reading a book the other day. I um, appreciate the, the ministry of Dave Ramsey, encouraging people to get out of debt and pay things with cash. And uh, he, was, he was talking about the fact that you look at the things that you spend money on and you figure out what kind of a priority the church and, and God is. And sometimes, folks, it's, it's, it's rather meager. I want to tell you this, that in those five verses... Or in those ten verses, there are five encouragements, is the way I'm going to put them, and five promises from God. And God is never slack in promises that He makes. I want to tell you this morning that you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a recipient of His good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have an abundant life for you to take hold of. And if you need to put on crazy socks every day to remind yourself, hey, listen, life is good, and I'm not going to think in terms of brown and black and tan-colored socks. I want to think in multicolor. I want to think in abundance. Our Father came to give us life and give it abundantly. Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege of opening your word. Father, I thank you for the faithfulness that you are in your, promin- in your promises. Father, I thank you that when you when you made the gift of your Son available to us, this was not just something that we were to do so that we could go to heaven, but God, this was a life that we were to live, an abundant life that we were to experience, and all couched in you being glorified and our life being good. God, I pray for us as we respond to your invitation, to your Holy Spirit's nudging at this point in time. God, however it is that you would have us to respond, may we do so faithfully, God, to a God who faithfully, lovingly gives to us all things. May you be glorified, Father, in your name I pray. Amen.